I'm going to read the scripture for us and then I'll pray. Uh, it should be up on the screen up above you. If you want to grab a Bible in front of you, you can follow along. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 20 this morning. <clears throat> and now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, let's pray. God, we're so grateful that uh, you love us, that you care for us, that you're willing to, willing to open your heart to us, even though we don't deserve it. We're so grateful that you are thinking about us all the time and are looking and figuring out ways to meet our needs and to bring good things into our lives. God, help us to recognize all that you're doing for us, to respond with gratitude. Help us to understand what it is that you're doing, uh, how it is that you're interacting with us, and, and the ways that you're inviting us to participate with you in what you're doing and to engage with you on the, in the same way that you're engaging with us. Uh, please help us to understand what it is, Jesus, that you were saying here and help us to see what that means for our lives and, and how, we, how we approach things and how we interact with you and how we interact with one another. Uh, Holy Spirit, please let it be your words that are spoken this morning that we really might be able to hear from you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when, when Jesus came on the scene, this is one of the first things that he began to teach people. Um, but the very first thing that he said was something along the lines of, you know, repent and believe the good news. Repent is just sort of a word that means turn around and do something differently. 
and believe the good news, he sort of summarized everything he was going to be talking about in terms of what, what God, who God was like, what God was like, who God is, how he's interacting with us, with this phrase, the good news or the gospel. And, you know, that phrase sort of represented this idea that Jesus was going to give us that God wants to interact with us um, based on grace, based on forgiveness, based on mercy, rather than interacting with us based on giving us what we deserve. And if you were listening carefully and looking in the Old Testament, you would see that God was already interacting with people like that all the time. But the people of Jesus' time and the religious leaders had gotten their minds just taking on the law that God had given and saying, this is what we need to live our life based on. Um, and so Jesus, Jesus came with this message. And so when we hear this message, and I think when people at that time heard the message, there was at first this reaction of like, wow, that's, that's kind of amazing. That's kind of a relief because this law is kind of this big weight. But then, then some other thoughts come in of like, wait, if it's just about forgiveness, if it's just about grace, if it's just about mercy, like, what, what happens to justice? You know, what happens to fairness? Like, what happens when, you know, people don't treat each other well? Do we just sweep that under the rug? Do we not address it? Like, what happens with that? Uh, and so, often what we end up with is, and, and the people at the time ended up with, is sort of like a mix. We approach life with a mix of approaching a little bit with grace and forgiveness and then approaching a little bit with, you know, fairness and justice, right? You can, I don't know, you can sort of see that in the way that we talk sometimes uh, or the way we think about people. Sometimes we, we talk about how people look at someone like, yeah, yeah, they deserve a little bit of, you know, grace or they deserve a little bit of mercy, so you see like the language that's mixed together there where we've made a judgment like someone's deserving of, of grace. Or, or maybe we think someone's done something just so atrocious that like grace has run out for them or forgiveness has run out for them and they need to experience a little bit of, a little bit of I don't know, punishment is the right word, or, but consequences for their actions. They need to sense that this is happening. And so, so we, we mix it a little bit 50-50 maybe or or different percentage. But but from this passage I what I what I was realizing is that you know Jesus's approach is a little bit more like 100% grace and 100% justice at the same time. And it's like that doesn't doesn't really add up. How does that how does that work? Cuz we 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 sort of ask the question is it grace or is it justice and Jesus answers yes. And we're like I'm confused. Can you help uh, help us understand that? And I think this this passage, this beginning, is he's he's helping us to see how those two things work together, and that God is able to be fully loving and fully merciful and fully gracious, and yet stay faithful to being just and fair. All right. So, so that's where we're going to go and, and see how how Jesus gets there. Uh, so. Just a little context of these words that Jesus said. Jesus came on the scene. He called some people to follow him, his friends. A bunch of people were sick and came to him. He healed people. People became well from their illnesses. People had demons cast out of them. People were just amazed that all this was happening. And, and a lot of people who 
realized that they needed help were drawn to Jesus. So crowds started to follow him. And crowds of people who saw themselves as not the people in society who had it all together, the people in society who were you know, on top or had power, but the ones who were in need, the ones who were outcasts, the ones who were sick, the ones... So the, the majority of the crowd were these kind of people. So they all gathered him around him, and he wanted to be able to talk to them. So he sat up on a hill, and they, they sat around him. And he, and he started by saying these things that we read. You may have heard these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And I imagine as he's going through these, you know, he's looking around at the crowd and I could just imagine him making eye contact with people as he's mentioning, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. He knows that there's people who feel poor in spirit right there. You know, blessed are those who are meek, blessed are those who are persecuted, blessed are those who are outcast or oppressed or in need, these kinds of things. And, and as he's doing that, as people are, people are, I get the, I I get the sense that people's reactions were like, I've always been told that because of who I am or because of what I've done, that I am missing out on the blessing of God. Like, if anything, I'm the cursed one. And now Jesus is looking at me and telling me I'm the one that's blessed. Like, this is, this is different. (laughs) This is not what I'm used to hearing. This is not what I thought God was about. This is not what I thought, you know, religion was about. Not only that, but he goes on to say, looking at these same group of people, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You know, the salt of the earth gives you the picture of like, Something that makes things better. You know, salt makes food better, right? It makes it taste better. It preserves meat. It does, it's one, it's something that has really good properties. So if you think of people being the salt of the earth, you think of someone who's bringing goodness into the world or making a difference for good. And so again, they're like, Jesus, are you talking to the right people here? Because we don't feel like we're the ones that are going to be bringing a bunch of good stuff into the world. We need a lot of help. Like we, we are people who you just healed from all these diseases or, you know, who are poor. And, but you're telling us we're the ones that are going to be making a difference in the world? You are the light of the world. You know, shining. And he's saying like, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. We're the ones they're going to be participating in this. So from these first two pieces, people were left with this, this idea that God wants to bring us good things and God wants to involve us in participating in God bringing good things into the world. You know, we thought that because we had failed the law of Moses, we had failed, you know, these things, we hadn't lived up to it as, better, as good as other people had we thought we were on the outside of all of this. We thought we were the cursed ones. But Jesus says, no, God wants to treat you with blessings. He wants to give you good things and involve you in things. So this was just sort of counter to all of what they thought God was about. This idea of if you do good, then you're blessed. If you don't do good, you're cursed. 
so, so they got this message. This is not what we thought this was all about. So, so what do you, what are you doing here, Jesus? What does this mean about that other side of things? Does, does that just not all apply anymore? And at first it probably was like this, wow, this is amazing. But then Sam, just like us, some thoughts may have come in like what, you know, what do we do when we see things happening that we feel like are unfair? What, what happens when we feel like injustice is persecuted against us or we see it happening in other places? Like, do we just let that happen? Can we let that happen? Is that a good thing? That doesn't feel like necessarily a good thing just to let it go and you know if if God's just going to treat us well no matter what we do what motivation is there to to do good or to do the right thing and is that going to leave us with a good world you know we have we have some of these you know these things that come up like that we feel like fairness and justice is still important and so how does it fit with what Jesus is saying here and I don't know, I feel like fairness and justice is something that's ingrained in our hearts. If you're around kids much at all, you can, you can see how fairness is a really big deal to them. Um, I have a nine-year-old son and an almost one-year-old son. And, you know, my nine-year-old, you know, we, we set some limits on him at different times. And generally when we set a limit like, you know, no, you can't have that second bowl of ice cream or no, you can't do this. Oftentimes he's like, it's not fair. It's not fair. Or maybe he's playing a game with a friend and his friend isn't playing by the rules. And then they just, you know, they respond with this. It's not fair. Like, you have to play by the rules. It's not fair. Or maybe their friend gets that toy or game or thing that they've been longing for forever but they don't have and they just go it's not fair that my friend has the game I don't <clears throat> you know and, and kids aren't the only ones that look at life and you know shake our fists that it's not fair um, I, I'm sure you can imagine several situations this last week where something came up that happened to you or that you saw and you said you know that just doesn't seem fair that person didn't deserve to be treated that way or I didn't deserve to be treated that way. Um, you know, a relationship that you're in feels unequal in some way or another. Or maybe someone else, someone got a promotion at work or a special project at school that you didn't and you just feel like, ah, I feel like I did enough to earn that. That doesn't seem fair. Or, or we just, you know, look out on the world and it's not hard to see Situations where you're like that, that's just straight up injustice. That is not fair for those people. So our hearts respond with, we can't just sweep this idea of fairness or justice under the rug, right? It's too close. And, and in truth, I think that's there because you know, fairness and justice is a part of core value of who God is too. 
But so the question that they came to after these first two parts that he says, you know, you guys are blessed. You guys are part of the kingdom. You guys are going to be involved in what God is doing. So people, I think this question came up their hearts. Well, how is that possible when we haven't earned it? How is it possible when we don't deserve it? We know we don't deserve this. Like, how is it possible that you're doing this for us? So I think there's, there's sort of two possibilities of how that might happen. One is, maybe Jesus was changing the rules. And this is maybe things that they thought, well, like, maybe, maybe this old system is just going away. Maybe Jesus is saying, you know what, that we tried that system, it didn't work, we're just going to make a new system. And maybe we're going to bring in some new rules um, that are going to be easier for you to follow, you'll be able to do it. And, and some people sort of look at these, or called the Beatitudes or the Blesseds, and like maybe Jesus is giving a new list of rules for us to follow. Like, okay, well, if you're, if you're poor in spirit or if you're mourning or if you're meek, you know, these are things to seek out to be, okay, this is the new, the new law to follow. That's one possibility. But Jesus, anticipating that they were thinking about this question, responds in this last section, you know, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. I'm not changing anything. What was there before, it's going to stay. So if... So then we get to that point. The rules are going to stay. And, and even goes on to say, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. But they're, they're like, you just told us. We know our righteousness is not surpassing that of the Pharisees. We know that we haven't deserved it. And yet you just told us we're going to be part of the kingdom. We're going to participate in it. And now you're telling us that our righteousness... Like, how is that possible? And... The way that these two things come together, Jesus says, is that the righteousness that you're going to have that will get you entrance into the kingdom of heaven is not your own righteousness, but it's mine. And I'm going to give it to you freely. Later, later on, when someone asks him, what's the work of God? And they're, they're wondering, what is it to do what's necessary to be part of God's family, to be part of God's kingdom? And they're, they're wondering, is it the law of Moses? Is it other things? What is it we're supposed to do? And he said, you know what the work of God is? Just believe in me. Because the only possibility of you being righteous enough to get into heaven is to have my perfectness given to you. Right? And... This is also the way that he is able to fulfill fairness and justice too. Because it's not just that God's giving us something we don't deserve and not making up for it, but Jesus did everything that was necessary to make up for what we failed to do. Because when Jesus offers to give us his righteousness, it means sort of two basic things. One we think of often, which is that the rewards that he earned by being completely perfect and faithful, eternal life, 
blessings from God, participation in the family of God, you know, these kinds of things. Those things are, those good things are given to us through that being transferred to us. But the second thing that we often don't think as much about is that when when we don't live up to the law that God has given us, what generally, what is happening is that there's, there's an injury done between people from one person to another. Um, that we have hurt somebody, that we have cheated somebody, that we've wronged somebody in some way. And that there's this, this loss that is created there that someone now owes somebody something and, need, and there's something that needs to be made up for um, in that transaction. And when Jesus gives us his righteousness, one of the things that's happening there is that he's going to step in and make up for the loss that happened rather than us needing to make up for the loss that happened in that situation. Um, it's like this idea of um, absorbing that loss is one of, one of the challenges to accepting this way of living that Jesus is offering to us. One of the resistances maybe our hearts have when we think, okay, living by grace, living by forgiveness, um, receiving it from God and giving it to others, giving it to others is hard because when something happens to us where we've been injured deeply, where we've been hurt, there's, there's a real injury there. There's something real that's happened that needs to be made up for. And if we forgive the other person, then what we're saying is we're not requiring you to do anything to make up for it anymore. So then we're left with that loss to deal with, right? And so sometimes it's hard to choose to forgive because we're letting go of our you know, I don't know, right or our desire to have that need that went unmet or something that happened to us be made up for. And that's, there's pain there. There's loss there. So what do, what do we do with that? And, and how do we... Um, and so I think one of the great promises that, that Jesus is making in this is that that pain and loss, he will make up for it. Um, he may not make up for it exactly piece for piece um, or make up for it in the way that we think he should, but he promises to meet all of our needs um, above and beyond what we think or can ask or imagine. And so, so one thing that helps in choosing this way is knowing that he's going to, he's going to meet those needs. When faced with this choice that Jesus is kind of giving us here of choosing to accept living life based on grace, mercy, and forgiveness and letting, letting, letting God take care of forgiveness, uh, taking care of fairness and justice so we can choose that way or, or we can choose to try to take care of fairness and justice on our own or, or combine the two a little bit. One of the other things I think that makes it hard sometimes to choose this path 
path of forgiveness and grace is when when we look at I think this is particularly difficult with social media these days that it can appear that when we look at our own lives we are not getting treated as well as other people are um, social media exacerbates this I think because People generally post on social media like all the good things that are happening and it's not a real like accurate picture of what's happening in people's lives. So we see that and then we see the reality of our lives and we're, we're like, God, I'm getting short end of the stick here. Like that's, that's not happening to me. Like I'm not going to Maui every two weeks. You know, I'm not, right? And so we, so we begin to feel like we question either whether, okay, God, if maybe you're just treating me like my sins deserve and I just deserve to be treated worse than everybody else. Or, or God, you just don't seem, it just doesn't seem fair. Like, why is this happening? Um, you know, Jesus told this story once uh, about a group of workers who were waiting in the public square one day and a, a guy who owned a farm came by and hired some of the workers in the morning to come and work in his farm that day and agreed to pay them a certain amount of money. So they agreed to go. They went and they worked. Uh, halfway through the day, he went back and hired some more of the folks to go and work. He didn't tell them what he was going to pay them. He just said, come and work and I'll pay you what I think is fair. And then like a couple hours before the end of the day, he goes back and hires more and, and come to come and work. At the end of the day, all the workers come to get paid and those who had worked the whole day came first and he paid them what he had agreed to pay them. And then those who came halfway through the day came and then he paid them the same amount that he paid the people who had worked all day. And then the people who came at the end, the last two hours, he paid them the same. So then the people at the beginning are like, this is, this is not fair. We worked all day and they're getting paid the same. And the guy says, we agreed. Am I not being fair? Like, you came, we agreed on a price, you said you'd work for that, I gave it to you. Like, what's the problem? This is not unfair. But it appears that you're a bit jealous because I'm being gracious to these other people. I'm giving them more than they deserve. You're getting what you deserve. I'm not being unfair. But these guys are getting more than they deserve and it's hard for you. And to the extent that our heart is in a place where we are operating on getting what we deserve, when we see other people getting more than they deserve, it rubs us the wrong way. It's hard. It's hard to see that. And people are always getting way more than they deserve. Always. God never, ever, ever gives anyone less than they deserve. That never happens because he's always fair. But God is always giving everyone much more than they deserve. So we see other people getting more than they deserve and we're like, you know, it rankles us a little bit. But if we're operating on this side where we realize we're operating with God and getting all the, the stuff that we don't deserve, when other people get it, it's like, yeah, that's awesome for them. We can rejoice with them because we're not worried that we're getting the short end of the stick.
so you know when when you have when we have a feeling like that sometimes where or we feel like it's hard to not feel like we're getting the short end of the stick. Instead of asking the question, God, are you treating me fairly or is this unfair? Maybe it's more helpful to ask the question more along the lines of, God, show me how you're being gracious to me. Show me how even this difficult thing is actually something that you're going to work out for good. Give me, give me maybe some little bit of encouragement uh, or some like thing that I can see or grab onto to know that, that you're taking care of me, that you're going to work these things out for good, even though it's hard right now. <clears throat> I think the, the last maybe thing that makes it hard to receive this way of living from God is... You know, this idea of what will motivate us to do the right and loving thing if it's not to earn blessing from God. Um, because we can sort of clearly see when it's, uh, you know, do the right thing and you'll get rewarded for it. Do the wrong thing and you get cursed. We, we, can, we can understand the motivation there, right? We want to avoid, avoid being cursed and we want to, you know, earn being blessed. But... If that motivation is taken away, where God is saying, I just want to bless you no matter what, because I love you, that motivation is taken away, then what's left in terms of motivating us to do what we feel like is good or right? Or is, is there none? There's an interesting thing that Jesus says here in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And this may be something you've heard quite a bit. I read it a bunch, but it just jumped out at me as I was thinking about this time. It's sort of a weird connection. Because when I thought about it, when people see other people's good deeds, what they generally do is glorify the person who did it. Right? Right? we see someone doing something good or helpful, we go, wow, that's a, that person's a good person. That person's a great person. But Jesus says, what's going to happen when you're participating in my way of things is that you're going to do something good, people are going to look at that, and their initial response is not going to be, you're amazing, they're going to be like, wow, God is amazing. But that, that, that's not the normal course of action, right? Like when we see amazing things happen in the world... Or someone doing something that we feel like is good and helpful, we generally don't immediately think, God is so great. We think, how can I be more like this person? And I think what would make it so that when you see someone doing something good, that you would respond with, God is really amazing, rather than that person is really amazing. And I think it's a few things, but I think it has to do with this motivation. Because when we're motivated by this old way of thinking, we're, try, we're doing good things so that we'll get credit for it and we'll earn our way into good things, right? So, so the whole idea of doing good things is to bring glory to ourselves, 
right? So that we can earn what we want. But when we release that and we start to do things for other reasons, then people will realize that we're not looking for credit for the things that we're doing. We're not even thinking that we're doing this so that we'll get credit. So it will, it will be a very different experience. What are we doing it for? There were a couple of things that came to mind. And I think a lot of it has to do with you know, who was it that God created us to be? What does it mean to be human? What is at the core of him creating us? And I think at the core of him creating us was connection, was intimacy between people, intimacy between us and God. That's, you know, out of in a special way, human beings, more than other parts of creation, are able to connect with God's heart and connect with each other's heart. And so I think one of the core motivations then when we're freed from this other way of interacting to choose what we do and how we do it is to think what is going to connect us to other people more. What's going to connect us to God more? What's going to allow our hearts to be open to each other? What's going to bring love? What's going to bring joy? What's going to bring care between each other? And, that, and so, so then, if, if that's what you're thinking about, and you come along someone who needs some money... And you decide to give them money, you're not giving them money because, well, this is a good thing to do and I'm going to earn some way to, you know, bless blessings for myself by doing this good deed. But rather you're like, look, this is an opportunity for us to connect with each other, to participate in something together. God has given me some money and this person needs some money, so I give it to them and we've created a connection. We've participated in God meeting this person's need together. And so... so when you when people see that happening they're going to see something different than if we were pursuing it by this other way see the second thing the last thing that that i think will help people to see how great god is when we do things is for us to just be honest and vulnerable about how we mess up all the time that we're not getting it right because when we're approaching it trying to earn our way, what we want to do is to present the idea that we're getting it right all the time, right? Because that's what's going to get us move forward. But if we're just getting it from God anyways, we can just say, you know what, like, here's the reality of what's happening with me. Like, I did this and that just messed things up. I did this over here and that was totally hurt this person. I can't, keep, I can't seem to figure out how to make this work or how to make that work. We can just be honest and vulnerable because we're not worried that God's going to curse us because of it. And then if it happens that God works out something really good through us, people are going to you know, see, wait, something really good happened through that person? 
God, God must be at work. <laughs> because, because they'll know us. They'll know that we're not perfect. No, they'll know that we mess up all the time and that it's probably likely that something so amazing didn't really come from us. It didn't really come from our own power or our own ability or our own merit. That something else was going on so that this can happen. That people will see our good deeds and glorify our God in heaven. So Jesus is inviting us to choose this path where we embrace interacting with God and interacting with others 100% on the basis of grace, mercy, forgiveness. And then we 100% trust him to take care of the fairness, justice, making sure that things are right, peace. So that both of them are 100% taken care of but we're just worrying about this side rather than the other. And this, and this really frees us to, to be who God made us to be um, and sets us free from being enslaved to this other way. As the, uh, as the band comes back up, uh, just want to let you know there'll, there'll be people over here uh, to pray with you during the last songs and Drew will explain a little bit to some ministry time that we're going to do but I'm going to pray and I just want to invite you you know to consider how in what ways you have been interacting with God on the basis of grace mercy and forgiveness and and how perhaps some of that you've been holding on to this idea of you know things needing to be fair or things needing to be just and trying to work things out in that direction as well. And uh, just consider what would it mean and what would it look like to fully embrace uh, this way that Jesus has given us. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful that you have done everything that's needed to be able to treat us with forgiveness, um, that we can be a part of your family. We can receive your blessings and participate in the good that you're doing in the world, not because we deserve it or we have the power to do it, but um, because you've um, invited us along and you've made it possible. Um, Please set us free uh, to fully embrace that. Uh, Please just help us to let go of the things that hold us back, the fears that we have of fully embracing that way of living and uh, help us to trust you to meet all of our needs when things seem to be going well and when things don't seem to be going well. Please take care of us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.